Hello DC fans and welcome to another episode of the DC Comics News Podcast, the weekly show where, funnily enough, we talk about all the DC news of the week. With me are two of my favouritest people in all the worlds. First of all, Kelly Gaines, uh, Queen of the Purse Book, how are you this evening? I am doing wonderfully, Steve. How are you? I mustn't grumble. I could, but no one would listen to me anyway, so I'll just be <laughs> And also with us is Captain Funky Fashion himself, Brad Villicky. How are you, my brother? I'm doing good. I hope everyone listening is doing good. Oh, yes. The three of us, honestly, we couldn't be any cooler if we lived in a fridge. So let's start off with the week's news. And we've got a fair bit, uh, movie, comics, TV, streaming, and a couple of bits of other news too. But we'll start as we always do with episode 77 with this week's movie news. And uh, this one, oh, I know how Brad's going to react already. But uh, obviously we'll, we'll go ladies first and be gentlemen because we are heroes. And we'll talk about the rumours that there is a <gasps> Zatanna movie allegedly in development. Kelly, what do you make of this awesome piece of possible news? If I could squeal loudly into the microphone, I would. But I'm I'm going to not do that do for it. the sake of years. Do it. For it. Do it. Mm-hmm. All right. Ready? Ready? <laughs> there you go there's there's my best squeal but um that was... <laughs> i'm so excited about this this might be the best piece of news i've seen since that one week we had a bunch of really good news i i like that there's a, a steady positive incline in some aspects um but yeah zatanna is absolutely awesome um by far one of the coolest characters in both the justice league and justice league dark so to see her on screen in her own adaptation would be really, really awesome. Um, I do also wonder what that means for if there is going to be a Justice League Dark TV show. Is this going to impact that? Are they going to be kind of separate? So questions there. But in any case, I'm really excited that we might see her on screen. Brad, what do you think? I love this idea. I, I love the character. And I think because, you know, from outside of us comic fans, she's probably not so well known and with that you can have a lot of fun and really do some things that'll kind of leave an impression on people to you know enjoy the character later on can really help define the character for a lot of people and i think it's just it's just really cool and as far as you know the the justice league dark tv show and everything i think that uh, Geek culture, nerd culture has infiltrated the mainstream enough that I think people can handle two different Satanas without, you know, getting it too confused. I mean, if you can have the Flash TV show and the Flash and the Justice League movie and the idea that they could both combine in Crisis on Infinite Earths and everybody loves it, I think that we've reached the point where we could have two Satanas and it would work fine. And, and part of me thinks that... Um, to kind of announce it or hint that they it might be really close to getting announced and that might mean that it's one of those things where they know the idea is good and that kind of interests me uh so i yeah i i really hope that this this project comes together uh steve what do you think Let's all hope that this is one of those no smoke without fire stories and this does end up being true because, again, like the two of you said, Zatanna is 
awesome, one of the most underrated, underappreciated characters in, in all of DC. I mean, when she's made appearances on the animated shows or animated movies, I've jumped up and down for joy. And Kelly, that was a powerful squee. But I've been talking with Kendra about this subject today as soon as I saw it online. And as you probably know, Zatanna is Kendra's number one favourite character in all the world. So she literally, if, if I've blown up through roofs in previous episodes and worn through the floor and tunneled down to the Earth's core, then she's gone to Pluto and back in her joy at this announcement. And so let's hope for, <laughs> for her sake, your sake, my yeah. sake and everyone's sake that it's true. And listen, I agree, Brad, you are spot on 100% on the money. Um, we had Ezra Miller and Grant Gustin appear on the same TV show. And then Brandon Routh and uh, Tyler Hecklin appear as Superman on the same TV show. And Henry Cavill's still out there as Superman somewhere as well. So um, two Zatanas is better than no Zatanas in my book. But now, honestly, the question really is casting. I mean, I've seen a couple of really interesting uh, people touted, including um, one of the brilliant British actresses from Game of Thrones and Anna de Armas. Obviously, I would like to see an Italian-American cast to make it authentic and, and true to uh, the comics. But um, do you guys have any thoughts or favourites or people you could really see stepping into the role, Kelly? Oh, you know, I hadn't really thought about that yet. Um, hmm. I don't know. Maybe the next time we talk about this, I'll have some top runners. What about you, Brad? Oh, man, um, that is a good question. I, and I'm with you, Kelly. I'm not sure. I When I hear announcements like this, for some reason, the first my first reaction isn't to go necessarily to casting. Uh, and especially when it comes to DC movies, because it, it seems like sometimes when casting seems a little strange, it's when we get the best we get the best results. So, Very true. yeah, so I kind of want to wait to see what happens. And, and uh, you know, um, I, I'm sure I mean, I wouldn't necessarily even be surprised if there was someone kind of unknown that gets cast. I think that would be that would be uh, interesting as well. So I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. What about you, Steve? Again, yeah, I do think, or because then I, I would cast Anna the Adamas as as anything because I think she's wonderful. Oh uh, yeah, she's um, and she does literally look like Z ripped out of the pages of the comic. She literally could be Zatanna. So um, that that's my favourite. But I, I do think there's. A good chance, like you said, for someone unknown to really come up and and take over. I mean, look how brilliant Brick Bassing is doing it as a Star Girl, and I'd never heard of her before this show. But that that again, that series is is batting a hundred for DC Universe. It's absolutely terrific. So maybe no uh, casting news is better, and then we'll get a fantastic surprise if and when it all happens. So let us see. Now. Also amongst the new movie news is the story that um, Henry Cavill has addressed some of the many rumours of him returning. <sighs> but has he really? Um, this story, again, is about as vague as all the other stuff that Kelly and I love to call no news news. So, um, Kelly, what do you make of this one? I, I read this whole article waiting for him to say whether or not anything was true and... Nope, we, we don't actually get any kind of a, exactly. yeah, it's it's the no news, which, I mean, at least it's coming from Henry Cavill, and that's, you know, it, it's better than it just coming from random corners of the internet with the no news. So, I I mean, I would love to see him come back. 
I know that is very up in the air. And I feel like a couple weeks ago, I saw it as like a hard fact that he was definitely returning. And now it seems like he's, you know, it, it seems like he's leaning towards more of a no. So, I mean, disappointing, but also this did not really confirm or deny anything. So I don't know. Brad, what about you? Oh, man, I don't know. I'm still trying to get the image of uh, Anadarmus out of uh, in a Zantana costume out of my mind. Because um, <laughs> I'll see that's that's a that's a great. Uh, Why would you want to get that image out? Of well, just mind. so I can that's move on with this podcast. But I think you know what pops into my mind about the story. I think I think Kelly, you're right that you know it is good that it came from him and that he addressed it. But I, and it is kind of no news uh, story, kind of. But I do like that he really takes the role of Superman seriously. That he came to address us that like I can't say anything because I respect the role of Superman so much. And as a fan of him in the role, I think that um, at the very basic, it, it's good to know that he would he would be back if they wanted him. And I, I would root for it, especially, and I think I mentioned this before, especially in terms of the justice, the, the you know, the Snyder, Snyder cut being released. Um, you know, and I think that's going to bring him back into people's minds as Superman. So I hope that, uh, I would love to see him return as a role. So I hope that can become a reality. And at least we know that he seems to be on board. So that's something. Uh, Steve? Exactly what you both said. The fact that he wants to do it, the fact that he clearly loves and respects the character. I mean, that was clear in his portrayals anyway. And like you said, Brad, um, I love him in the role. I think he's a fantastic Superman. I think he's a Superman for the 20th century and ideal in both physical aspects and the way he portrays the character. He has become a symbol of hope and just that little scene, even though it's not Henry Cavill in the suit or you don't even see his face at the end of Shazam, made me really happy. And all the people who say, oh, yes, yeah, Superman's outdated. There's no room for him anymore. They tried to make him dark and it didn't work. Well, I'm sorry, you must have been watching a different movie to me because I still rate Man of Steel as a fantastic film. And while, yeah, this isn't really news, he hasn't said no. And until he says no and they recast Superman, I'm going to remain hopeful that our Man of Steel is firmly in place and ready to put on his cape at a moment's notice. Just like the real guy running through the alley, ripping his shirt open and up, up and away. But hey, we're positive people. Speaking of positive after the wonderful news that we are going to be getting the Snyder Cut on HBO Max next year, David Ayer has officially thrown his hat into the ring and categorically stated, yes, it's there. He wants it made. Please, fans, help me. Before it was all fans, it was all people who wanted to see uh, a more Joker-centric, less made-up characters for the hell of it, and true to the director's vision version of Suicide Squad, which I think um, Kelly would um, prefer because I know it's not one of your favourite movies. So, guys, Kelly, uh, what do you make of this story? Yeah, it is not one of my favourite movies. And I do like the idea that there's a version of this film that maybe would make it seem like less of a, cause it, I mean, it was one of those films that I got so excited for. I was so ready to see suicide squad and it, it felt like it just kind of dropped me flat. So the fact that there is a version of this movie out there that might be a little bit more, um, 
a, a little bit closer to what fans were expecting. I, I like that. I don't know if I necessarily am desperate to see this cut, especially on the grounds that we're getting another Suicide Squad movie anyway. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd be definitely in to see it. I'm just, I, I'm not as excited as, like, Snyder cut level excited. What about you, Brad? Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I feel kind of the same way. Um, I, I, I'd still watch it. Uh, and I like the idea of uh, a parademon being uh, the big bad in the movie. I think that yeah. that had that been in the theater, that would have gotten me so psyched for Justice League. Not that I wasn't already, but that, that would have just taken me over the top. I think that would have been uh, really a really good idea. Um, and, and my thing with this is once they release the Snyder cut and dark side and, and plays a bigger part and things like that. And parademons might be, make more sense as the big bad. So maybe they would release this after that. And especially if, if the Snyder cut turns out to be such a success, but I think, I think we all know that it's, it's going to be, I think people are really going to be excited. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we do see this get released, but it probably won't be until after we know or see the Snyder Cut, or at least know when it's coming out. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, I don't see Warner doing anything about this until Snyder Cut's released and proves to be the success that the fans and the studio want it to be. I mean, God forbid, if the Snyder Cut falls flat on its face and turns out not to be great, then I think all hope for the air cut of a Suicide Squad will go up in smoke too. But just from what little I've seen, like we talked about this a couple of weeks back on that mm-hmm. teaser with, with Wonder Woman and, and seeing Darkseid's name inscribed on the walls of the cave and that one scene zooming in on him, um, the whole tone was different to what we got in the pastiche jigsaw puzzle version of Justice League that was released in theatres. So um, anything that has more parademons, more dark side, more apocalypse is A-OK in my book. And hey, listen, with the Ava DuVernay, Tom King, uh, New Gods film, hopefully getting closer to production and photography, um, that's all going to tie in and make a lot more sense. I see a possible resurgence of the DCEU, which can only be, in my opinion, a good thing because uh, while the popcorn-loving movie fans out there want everything to be Marvel and positive, joy, joy, happy, happy, shiny, shiny, I do like a bit of grit. So, yeah, um, let's wait and see. Um, Nothing is impossible. Listen, no one ever believed the Snyder Cut would happen, but there you go. It's happening. And talking about not believing, apparently there's a close to three hour cut of Joel Schumacher's Batman Forever sitting in vault somewhere, which is a lot darker and closer to Tim Burton's uh, view of of the Dark Knight as as acted by uh, uh, Michael Keaton than what we actually saw. Now, this actually does have me a little bit excited. Kelly, what do you make of it? I this is this one's kind of flustering flustering for me because I on one hand that sounds really cool and really interesting and I want to see it but on the other hand kind of like all right so this movie came out when I was a a little little kid and I, I like I don't know necessarily that I wanted to see anything darker than I saw then but then it fits my personality now but then the the bigger 
kind of question this brings up is how many secret cuts of movies are there? How many like uh, different versions that we might be able to see now? Because it, 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 the Snyder Cut kind of opens up a, a, a new door and there might be all of these movies that maybe didn't land the way they wanted to or were significantly changed from their original planning that we might be able to see this that and I mean they they must film a lot that we can add on all of this extra content and still have you know a cohesive movie without it but I'm excited about it but now I'm kind of wondering what other movies are going to start coming out of the woodwork as like hey well have you seen the 17 hour cut of Titanic because it's crazy I don't know Brandon what do you think I, I thought I, the original was a 17 hour cut of Titanic <laughs> that's anyway. true actually <laughs> <laughs> the 48 hour cut <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I you know Ken I think you might be onto something between uh, the rise of the streaming service and streaming services controlled by companies like Warner Brothers you know uh, this is probably something that we'll see more of uh, and, and also fans have more say now fans have more interaction through things like Twitter and things like that and Fans are being heard more than they have been in the past, and they seem to be wanting uh, these these cuts. So I wouldn't be surprised if we do see more of this. And I th- I, th- I think it's kind of uh, I think it's kind of cool. Um, you know, I as far as this as far as Batman Forever, I always had a soft spot in my heart for Batman Forever. I always liked it more than uh, a lot of people did, um, and mainly that's because I found something I liked, and I still can't put my finger on exactly what it is. Uh, of Jim Carrey's performance and a little bit of Tommy Jones uh, as well. Um, I just wonder, though, I wouldn't I would probably watch this, but I would wonder what now that he's passed on, what Joel Schumacher, if you would want it released. And if we don't know that, then if he didn't want it seen, it would be kind of a crummy thing to release it if it's not something that he wanted the public to see. So other than that, yeah, I'd probably be interested in this. Uh, Steve, what do you think? I'm so glad you said that, Brad, because yeah, we have to take the artist's uh, thoughts into consideration. Now, most would say that any director, any creator would want their vision on screen. But obviously, we don't have his say so unless he's left um, notes with his family and surviving relatives that he, he did want people to see his version of the film before. Again, the studio said, no, 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 no. We want to sell Happy Meals. Like it says in the article, let's keep this film light. And a lot of fans were put off by how dark Batman Returns went. I mean, I'm not one of them. I adore Batman Returns. But like you, Brad. I think Batman Forever is a grossly underrated film. In fact, I think it's the most underrated Batman movie of all. And not just because of the Riddler and Two-Face, because of Jim Carrey and Tommy Lee Jones, because I do think that Val Kilmer was a better Bruce Wayne and Batman that a lot of people give him credit for. He was smooth, suave and sophisticated as Bruce. And he was one of the few Batmen that was scary. Uh, I talked about this a few weeks back in, in, in a podcast I did about Batman. And there are a couple of scenes where he literally is the Batman from the comics. When Dick Grayson steals the Batmobile and drives around town, gets involved with a street gang, gets in a big fight. They're about to pile on him and and wreck him when all Batman does is appear on a rooftop and spread his cape. And the gang scatters and runs away in terror. 
that's Batman. And that's done better in that movie than any of the other Burton Schulmacher films. And there's a scene where Dick Grayson confronts Bruce in the Batcave and says, listen, you can't stop me going after Two-Face and killing him. I'm going to do it. And he literally just stands up. Val Kilmer does and looks Chris O'Donnell's Robin in the face and says, I can stop you. And you believe him. Mm-hmm. I think Batman Forever is grossly underrated and... Do you guys remember the trailers and that scene in particular with a giant bat, terrifying creature of night, and, and Bruce embracing it? That that nightmare scene, if that's in the full uncut version where he takes on the Batman role willingly at the end of the film like he does in the original cut, but embraces the bat and becomes Batman not because he has to be, because he wants to be, then there's so many ways it could go. So... Uh, I'm actually interested in this. I do want to see a close to three hour cut of Batman Forever. I mean, uh, like you said, Kelly, the the mind boggles about what else could be out there. As long as there isn't a three hour cut of Halle Berry's Catwoman and Superman 4, I can deal. (laughs) I I can quite happily deal. That might be the first time in this whole podcast history that that movie has been brought up. And because we are um, intelligent <laughs> comic <laughs> fans, and we know no matter how good that beautiful woman looked in that costume, that movie was a turkey. Big stock. We don't talk about Catwoman. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it's worse than Fight Club. You just do not talk about the Catwoman movie. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Honestly, it, it makes any other film that people have put down. Uh, Jonah Hex, Green Lantern look like Oscar-winning masterpieces next to that film. But and, hey, and, and say what you will about Jonah Hex, but I thought Michael Fassbender was really good in it. I <laughs> that was kind Jonah of Hex movie. yeah. Oh, I like kind of saved for me. I did not like the Catwoman movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a fair. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Kelly, I, I, I hear by your reaction that you love the Catwoman movie too. Oh, my goodness. It is just I <laughs> I think it's almost weirder rewatching it as an adult. And I, I watched like a video of someone talking about rewatching it. And it reminded me how bizarre and just uh, like the, the basketball scene. And when she acts like like an actual it's I I love Halle Berry, but my God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I can't argue with either of those sentiments. I love Halle Berry, but my God, yeah, that's that's actually the best um, commentary and review of that film. I do believe <laughs> I love Halle Berry, but my God, awesome! Well, Siskel and I, but eat your hearts out. That's a review. Right, <laughs> moving on swiftly. Um, our last piece of movie news, and this one um, has got me all kinds of excited. Allegedly, DC are announcing two secret movies at the highly touted Fandome Virtual Comic Con. And, uh, oh baby, this one's got me happy. Kelly, what do you make of this piece of news? Oh, this is exciting. And I, I love all of the the speculation for what two movies they could be. Um, Personally, I'd really want to see New Gods, but then all of the movies on this list sound like something that I would want to see. New Gods, yes. Batman Beyond, yes. Batgirl, yes. Green Lantern Corp, also yes. I mean, all of this sounds awesome. I think 90% of me is really hoping we get a New Gods announcement, but in, in any case, I would be happy with an announcement about any of this, if it happens. 
Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I hope it's New Gods too, because I just something about the idea of that really making it to screen with Ava DuVernay's vision. I just I, I really want to see it. So I would love to hear more concrete info about that. And all these other speculations will be cool. And I'm just wondering if you know we talked about uh, the Zatanna movie, and maybe that is, could be it because you know I think in that story they mentioned that Gail Simone had. Um, tweeted it and then she yes, deleted it so that makes me think that maybe she was hinting about this so that would that would be kind of kind of cool but I'm, I'm really looking forward to this event and really you know I, i'd be happy for any kind of film announcement um these days just kind of thirsty for really good solid definite positive movie news that it's coming together because everything has been put on hold for so long and it's we still don't know when we're really going to be able to sit in a movie theater and watch a movie and uh you know and that's just kind of depressing for movie fans so you know just any bit of positive light in that aspect i think would be a good thing uh steve what do you think yeah absolutely any of those movies touted and on that list um where do i sign 100 percent behind a lot of them but do you not find it a little bit surprising that movies we know are coming, like Black Adam, um, Flash, aren't on that list? Because we, we know those definitely on the way, or Aquaman 2, um, Shazam 2. So mm, the fact that they're not on that list is is a bit of a glaring omission for me. But maybe they literally are keeping it to films that are going to surprise us. But having said that, we've known about the Ava DuVernay, Tom King, um, New Gods movie for a while. And Batgirl's been in production hell for, for years since the uh, whole Joss Whedon thing. So, hmm, interesting, weird, different. And maybe it's just going to be something completely random that we don't even have a clue about. And that's the kind of thing that really excites me. If we find out we're going to get a JSA movie or something with Hawkman that ties into Black Adam, anything like that would just make me very happy indeed. But whatever happens, like you said, Brad, any news about a new DC movie? Yeah, sign me up. Absolutely. I'm curious. Oh, sorry, Dan. Sorry. No, no, go for it. Go for it. Uh, I, I'm curious is if, if there's a reason why like Black Adam wasn't on the list is maybe they maybe they do have yeah. some kind of other panels or something planned during this event that deals with those specifically, and this is a more like general panel of what's coming down down the pike in the years ahead. So, which I think is cool because I would love to see a panel on Black Adam and Suicide Squad 2 and, and things like that. So, so we'll see. But either way, I think this event is going to be really good. Nicely put. Yep, I'd agree with that. What do you think, Kelly? Why, why do you think those films weren't on the list? Yeah, I I have to assume they have they might have their own panel or their own kind of discussion going on because if it's... I mean, if it's a surprise release, none of those would really surprise us. Um, I mean, I guess Batgirl technically could be a surprise because at this point we all assume it's just not happening. Um, yeah, so I, I think whichever way this plays out, it'll be good news in the end. So I'm I'm happy about it. Well said. I like that positivity. Seth, you might not be here in person, but your shining S of positivity is lighting up our lives and being a beacon of hope to all of us so there you go right that's the movie news out of the way so let's talk some tv and uh, lucifer 
has been on our minds and on our tongues a lot over recent weeks. And now we're getting some on-set photos about a gorgeous-looking noir episode. And again, this is right up my street. Kelly, what do you make of these pictures and this news? Yeah, I think gorgeous was is the perfect word. And I love noir stories. There's just, there's something kind of bizarre and it just, it has its own feel. Um, and it, I mean, who wouldn't love kind of the hard-boiled detective uh, Lucifer running around? I feel like that would be a lot of fun to see. Um, yeah, I I really, really like what I see so far the, for this episode. And hopefully if I can catch up before it airs, that would be amazing. Because again, I am just, I, I love all of the strange old noir movies that you come across. Maybe not Chinatown so much. And that one's not that old, but you know, there's a lot of smacking in that one. But still, that type of storytelling, I think, will be really, really fun for a show like Lucifer. Yeah. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, and I think this is a really cool idea because it fits the tone and, and just the, the whole feel of the show, I think, very well. A noir episode would fit, would fit in perfectly with with the kind of vibe that the show has. So it'll be really a uh, really cool scene. And it's fun to watch them having a little fun with the show. When it gets, you know, five, six seasons, you, you kind of can have that kind of fun with it. And it's kind of like might be one step away from a musical episode, but I think this one's going to be, uh, this one's going to be really cool. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Yeah, well said. Um, this show is proven over seasons one to four that it can do anything and go anywhere. But like you said, Kelly, as well, noir is something that fits the character and fits the show to a T. Now, let's remember, this is less the Lucifer of the comic books, apart from the main character, who's actually very close and Mazakin. And it's more of a procedural cop show with a supernatural twist. So having a little noir thing, a little detective story, a little pulp in there, it, like I said, it, it's right up my street. It's the kind of thing I love. Give me Blade Runner. Give me Sam Spade. Give me those old uh, noir stories of, of yesterday. I just love them. So if they can pull that off in a really extended season, because this is a, a long season for Netflix. Netflix usually do anything between nine and a dozen episodes. And this is like closer to 20. And they're splitting the season over two. They're having a mid-season break and everything. And they've confirmed season six. So if this is the kind of little nugget of joy that they can throw our way, sign me up. I'm interested. I want to see it. And I, I cannot wait to see it. So, yeah, brilliant. Really looking forward to that. Now, next on the TV news list. And we mentioned this. Um, we are the soothsayers, the prophets, the oracles and the Cassandras of the comics news world. The DC Universe subscribers are being offered an HBO Max package deal. They're uniting the two titans of the streaming services. Kelly, what do you make of this story? Ah, we did see this coming. And I, I actually got an ad to, to do that bundle this past week. And I know I have to. I mean, at this point, there's no... I'm, I, I'm not going to not get HBO Max. So at this point, it's more of a matter of actually going in and doing it. Um, but yeah, I think this is a pretty clear sign that DC Universe is going to probably get folded into HBO Max, um, which I 
I would be okay with it as long as DC Universe still kind of has its own. I mean, part of what I like so much about it right now is the fact that there are these these fan boards and kind of interactions between fans where you can post different topics and polls and kind of talk to people um you know while you're reading a certain book or during a watch along and and it's it's a very fun community so as long as that community aspect is kept i think that's one of the more important things um but yeah it's hbo max was gonna get us we knew it was coming so here it is what do you think brad yeah, I think this was a this was definitely uh, n- not unexpected. Uh, and I I completely agree with you the whole community thing. And I hope that uh, they can move all the content because there's so much good content from all those old DC shows that are on the DC streaming service that it would be a shame to lose that. So if they're gonna combine it, that's fine. But Please bring everything over. And Kelly, like you said, I mean, it is such a great community. And I don't know how they would handle the comic book things. Now, I don't really read the comic books on the the service, so uh, I haven't really taken advantage of that. But I know that there are a lot of people that that do. So I I don't know how HBO Max would would do that. That would be something that seems like would have to get lost, and that would be. That would kind of be a shame for people who who use it. Uh, Steve, what do you think? I just wish I had the opportunity to watch either of them. But again, being over the pond, I don't. I don't get HBO Max <laughs> and I don't get DC Universe. But um, as far as I could make out, HBO Max is 15 bucks a month on its own, right? Whereas DC Universe is $10. So they're literally giving you, uh, for an extra five bucks, um, HBO Max in addition to DC Universe, you're getting HBO Max and DC Universe for the price of just HBO Max. So Kelly, I'm with you. That's a steal. That has to be done. Um, because obviously, in addition to all the DC content you get on DC Universe, you probably get everything that Warner Brothers have ever had a hand in. So, wow, that's huge. Um, it's a little bit upsetting for us non us or canada residents because um we got disney plus within literally a couple of weeks of it launching it, it, it went worldwide even something as random as wrestling as wwe network a couple of months after release but how long has dc universe been out now guys roughly uh, well over a year isn't it Two years maybe yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and still yeah. it's only available in the us and canada what the hell um so like I said, uh, for that price, I'm really glad for the people who get the chance to watch it. But for the millions and millions of fans worldwide that are still waiting for one service, let alone both, it's a little bit of salt in the moon, I think. But hey, um, I'm going to be positive and congratulate the people who ha- do have it rather than be a hater. Because that ain't me, baby. That ain't me. <laughs> right. <laughs> So we've done movies, we've done TV and streaming, so let's have a little break, keep the lights switched on, keep the noggles at bay and all the gremlins and goblins, and listen to a couple of ads, catch our breaths, and we'll see you all shortly. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, It can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics 
each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the Knight. Hello listeners, this is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh, look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat me, nods. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. And we're back. This is episode 77 of the DC Comics News Podcast. I'm Steve. I'm with Brad. I'm with Kelly. They're my buddies, and I love them. We've talked movies. We've talked TV. Now let's talk comics. Now, um, anyone who's a Jeff Johns fan or a Gary Frank fan, and let's be honest, who isn't, will be jumping up and down for joy knowing that volume three of Batman Earth One is finished it's been done since middle of june we're just waiting for dc to give a release date so kelly are you a fan of the earth one books what do you make of this story i do love the earth one books i haven't read batman earth one yet though so i i've made my way through wonder woman and teen titans so this is and actually if anything this gives me a push to catch up before that comes out because now we at least know that it's done and it's it's coming. We don't know when, but it's coming. So, yeah, I, I am really excited about this. And the Earth One universe is just so I, I think as far as 
you know, an outside of main continuity universe. It's one of those ones that feels very familiar and kind of, in, in, in a sense that it's familiar, you know, the characters, they're still true to the main characters and, and what we would expect them to be. But the ways that they're tweaked and the way that the, the ways that they're different is just creative enough to make it a whole new experience. I, I don't know if I make any sense saying that, but it's I, I really do enjoy Earth One. Um, <laughs> so if I mean, yeah, if this is coming out soon, I'm excited. Now I have to go catch up and I, I actually have a little bit of extra room on my shelf right now. So this is on the to get list. What do you think, Brad? Yeah, I, I really like the Earth the Earth One stories and I kinda thought they had been kind of forgotten so it's great to see them coming back i think with everything that was going on with dc and what they've done lately that they kind of let that wither on the vine but yeah kelly i agree i i really like how kind of grounded the stories are sometimes you know uh yeah there's just something um it i kind of say that it's kind of like watching a well done TV drama version of these of these heroes kind of in yeah. a way and it was they're just so well written all of them so yeah I, I'm all for it I can't wait to read it because I, you know like I said I thought that was all kind of forgotten about uh, Steve what do you think well of course um, what kind of Batman fan would I be if I hadn't read <laughs> the Earth One Batman stories of course they were the first ones I picked up and because I enjoyed them so much Wonder Woman and Teen Titans soon followed I, I haven't read the Green Lantern ones yet but um, if they're as good as the others then I need to but um, it, it brilliantly put both of you they've literally done these characters that we think we know and again, I don't know how they do it. Managed to put another another little spin on it. I think what you said, Brad, sums it up. It's more like if um, we had a decent budget TV show and that's how they feel. I'll make you right. In particular, and Kelly, I'm, I'm actually quite jealous of you because you'll be able to probably pick up all three volumes of The Batman when you catch up. And they're great. Um, Alfred in particular is one of my favorite things in the Earth One Batman stories. Plus the fact that Batman, I haven't seen him this vulnerable and new and learning the trade done as well since Frank Miller's Batman Year One. You see a Batman starting from the ground up and honestly making more mistakes than successes when he first starts out. And that's a lovely thing to see because again, we talked about it a thousand times. We don't want infallible heroes that are perfect from day one. We want to see them learn. We want to see them grow. Character development is something great. And literally in the two books that have come out, the characters jump up in leaps and bounds. They grow and they develop in those stories. So like you said, Brad, the fact we're getting a volume three, we know it's done. Color me happy. I am looking forward to reading it. And of course, anything with Gary Frank's artwork, boy, I'm not going to say no to that. Uh -uh. nope no way want it want it now yesterday <laughs> speaking of gorgeous art uh my countryman Mikhail Hadin has been posting some draw jaw-droppingly gorgeous uh Wonder Woman images for his team up with uh Mariko Tamaki in an upcoming couple of issues of the series and 
Oh, man, this stuff is beautiful. Kelly, I know you're a huge fan of Diana. What do you make of this brilliant story? Oh, I love this. I I mean, you guys have heard about my comic book wall. And, of course, all of this needs to go up there pretty much immediately. Oh, yeah. But, oh, my goodness. It's, it's just gorgeous. I There's something kind of clean and yet understated about um about this artwork but it is so very wonder woman and i i mean it just i love actually i'd say within the past couple years there have been some wonder woman covers and just um you know other artwork that's come out that really focuses on this like dynamic facial expressions and really lifelike looking poses and i i love all of them It, it gives such an extra depth to her so i am very excited about this um yeah, couldn't couldn't be more beautiful. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, the, the art is pretty stunning. And I always really enjoyed um the Harley Quinn breaking glass that uh that yeah. um it was so good. And the fact that, you know, that we're gonna see more of that kind of writing comics is, is cool to me. So yeah, I I kinda can't wait to see what uh what they do. Um yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm down. Uh, Steve, what do you think? I'm so glad you brought up Breaking Glass, Brad, because I, I wanted to make that uh, comment too, because that was, as a standalone young adult graphic novel, a fantastic take on Harley Quinn. Uh, the writing, the art, everything about that book was brilliant. And having, again, a strong, talented female writer working on Wonder Woman, it's just something brilliant. It's just something that makes me happy every which way. And then coupled with that Jim Lee cover, damn, I mean, that man can do no wrong, seriously. And that gorgeous internal art from Mikhail Khanin. And the work he's done on Batman the last few years with Tom King has been sublime. But this guy, I think, was born to draw Wonder Woman. The wide-eyed wonder in the character's face when she's Diana uh, and finding the, the, the little kitten in the uh, little bunny rabbit in the air in the offices walking down the uh, corridors and and the power of her when she's in full-on wonder woman mode this is one of those comic book artists who's just a sublime storyteller he he can really put expressions on faces draws fantastic body language and then can also give you a kick-ass battle at the same time sue bloody perb i cannot wait to pick these up and read them really really looking forward to it because this is two talents at the top of their game, giving us one of the most iconic and brilliant characters in all of comics. So, yeah, this is this is going to be good. Um, looking forward to this one. Big style. Absolutely. Right. Um, that's it for comic news. It's a fairly short list this week. So let's have a look at the other stuff that's happening around the worlds of DC. Now, Mixed bag, some good news, some bad news. Um, this one, hmm, this one gets me a little bit upset for different reasons. Uh, Ray Fisher, Cyborg from the Justice League movie, has been very vocal online in his criticism of Joss Whedon and the way the writer-director treated cast members on set. Kelly, what do you make of this fairly surprising and upsetting piece of news? Yeah, I, I mean, surprising and upsetting hits 
hit the nail on the head with this because on one hand, um, you know, I would say to to an extent, I've been a pretty decent fan of Joss Whedon. Um, but I mean, I don't think I haven't seen a lot of specifics on what exactly, um, Ray Fisher is, is saying happened only that these, you know, kind of accusations are out there. Um, and in that case, it, it does bum me out if, if that's true and he's, you know, not treating the actors and the cast and the crew the way they should be treated. That's not good at all. Um, and also, I just reading through the article, um, it, it's kind of confusing. It seems like maybe there was just tension on set as a whole that seemed to play out um, negatively for Ray Fisher. I, I don't know. It's I'm very confused by this in a sense. But I, I mean, at the end of the day, it wouldn't be the first time we've seen something come out about, uh, you know, someone who's beloved in the comic book or, or the film industry. And it turns out that they're kind of a jerk behind the screen, behind the scenes. So, I, I mean, I'm up in the air on this a little bit because there hasn't been a whole lot of um, further elaboration from just the, the initial statement. So I don't know. Uh, Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Um, I just kind of want to know more details. Um there is a difference between being a jerk but getting the job done and being uh, abusive and i and i want to know more and granted i am was uh, you know i i I don't know with my status on this because of this kind of thing um but was a huge josh whedon fan and uh i I think there's been other accusations accusations about how he treats women on the crew and things like that so um yeah i wouldn't be surprised if uh what we hear maybe down the road uh, from Ray Fisher or from others that um, it's not going to be it's not going to be good for Joss and that's it's a shame because uh, you know he he is a really really talented guy um, I, I I and I, I kind of wonder what it was about now that he came out exactly. with this information what you know because he even uh, shared a clip of him saying how good. Joss Whedon was and and how Zack Snyder picked a good man to replace him so obviously that changed but why wait until now so anyway I mean I I hope you know that that um, Joss can clear his name just but I I I just don't know just I need more details Uh, Steve what do you think I would like just to clear his name if he is indeed innocent. Right, if these exactly. reports are true and he was abusive, particularly to uh, female cast members or whatever else, or God forbid, possibly um, racial comments, that would be even more upsetting. I don't see it looking at his past history and the actors and the talents he's worked with through shows as diverse as Buffy and Angel and uh, Avengers and of course one of my favourite things of all time I keep going back to it, Firefly so I'm hoping it's possibly just a case of sour grapes, maybe they had a falling out, it was just a personal thing between Ray and uh, Joss himself but the troubling thing is I don't know if you recall but back in the day 
when uh, Zack Snyder stepped away from Justice League, um, for obviously for the horrible reason of, of losing his his daughter, um, Ben Affleck also said that there was tension on the set of Justice League. He did not enjoy making that film at all. He had a blast making both Suicide Squad for his cameos and a blast making uh, Batman versus Superman with Zack Snyder, but he did not enjoy the Justice League experience as well. And that was one of the factors he walked away. Now, obviously he was a lot more diplomatic by saying that, whereas Ray Fisher has come out and been very, very confrontational uh, and uh, quite strongly worded, piece of uh, social media there but what worries me more particularly for Joss Whedon is that there has been no comment no rebuttal no saying listen uh, why are you coming out with this stuff now Justice League happened years ago is this just sour grapes um, so no comment to me um, tends to be negative in, in most cases and that's what worries me so yeah if he's done nothing wrong um, then great. I, I, I wish Joss every success because to me, I don't know how you two guys feel, but the Avengers movie, the first one, is still one of the greatest pieces of comic book cinema ever committed to film. It's a bloody masterpiece. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, so I thought, yeah, if anyone's going to take over from Zack Snyder on Justice League, this is the guy to do it. But again, he gets a bad rap for this. This is more Warner Brothers' fault, but what we got was a Frankenstein of a movie. Five different tones um badly lit badly shot scenes scenes we could tell the two actors were not even on set at the same time let's not even talk about the whole mustache gate scenario with henry cavill um (laughs) yeah uh i don't know i want more answers like you said brad i want concrete facts i want to know what rapish is saying and why it's taken this many years for him to come out and say it that's uh that's the thing about it so if it's true well done ray fisher for standing up um if it's not true if it's just sour grapes dude uh be a grown-up about this deal with the matter directly with joss don't air your dirty linen on social media um let, let's be grown-ups about this but hey um that's uh, showbiz i guess right moving on um the whole diamond distribution scenario grows and spirals and snowballs once again as uh, another change of leadership within the company occurs kelly what do you make of this piece of news yeah so i think um i mean this isn't necessarily surprising although i wouldn't say that i saw it coming um diamond is obviously having to rethink things especially now that they're splitting with DC. Um, and the since the COVID lockdown, the entire model of comic book distribution has kind of been called into question more so than it's been in the past. So it makes sense for them to change leadership. Um, and hopefully, if anything, new leadership means new ideas, new possible solutions to issues. I mean, maybe this, this kind of long-winded breakup with DC won't have to happen the way that it is. Maybe there's going to be um, you know, further negotiations to keep, at the very least, just keep books on shelves, um, which isn't as big of a problem right now. But as, as we've talked about previously, it seems like DC might be going towards digital only. And that's not uh, that's not something we want. So 
Yeah, I mean, I, new leadership can't be a bad thing at this point. Brad, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I, again, I come to this come to this as a fan, and I just want books on shelves. I want them to figure it out and just make sure that comic shops can get the books to get it to fans so that everybody can win. Um, and, you know, and, and Kelly, you're right. It's been an absolute mess since the lockdown. So it, it it's not surprising that they would want to change the leadership. And, yeah, I, I hope that this maybe he can bring some fresh ideas to iron everything out so that we can get back on to kind of a regular release schedule, uh, especially as uh, comic shops are more and more starting to open, at least, well, I guess, in, in, at least in certain parts of the country. Um, you know, I'm, this is a whole other thing, but I'm hoping that the lockdown doesn't come back hardcore again. Uh, we'll be back at square one with this distribution thing uh, if that happens. So I don't know. I just I just want I, I just want all parties to figure it out um, and, and to not have the industry suffer. Whatever gets that done, that has to be new blood. Then then so be it. Steve, what do you think? Yeah, you both said it all, really. If this change of leadership means that things are going to progress in, in a better fashion, books are going to come out on time, the fans can get what they want to read. That's all I really care about, that the fact that the retailers can have a livelihood, they can still keep selling the books, they'll have jobs at the end of the day. That's hugely, hugely important. The whole swap the digital thing has me terrified. I hope that never happens. But again, any comics better than none, but I, I like the physical feel of a book in my hands. But let's not forget that this dispute tends to, seems to be more around uh, America because apparently Diamond UK is a wholly owned subsidiary and they're still getting all the books a couple of times a month rather than weekly, but hey, I can live with that. Um, so yeah, new blood, new ideas, great way forward, hopefully. And fingers crossed, maybe the whole dispute will end and everything will go back to normal because it's Marvel fans really that are suffering more than DC fans. Because at least DC have books coming out. Marvel haven't recovered still from the whole uh, pandemic since the end of March. There's been almost zero Marvel content coming out. So for the comic book industry as a whole, not just as a DC fan, but as a comics fan, um, hopefully this is a good way forward and uh, a positive piece of news. Right. On to our next story. And we've talked movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But now we're going to talk about um, a comic book actor getting slammed by a comic book writer. And for the right reasons, I think. Uh, Dean Kane has upset many of his fans over these comments. And uh, the fact he's come out of as a Trump supporter has made me change the way I look at the actor. But hey, Everyone's different. Everyone's entitled to an opinion. But Kelly, what did you make of this little uh, online confrontation between Tom King and Dean Kane? I, I mean, I'm on Tom King's side. It's very, it, it's really frustrating. Um, on one hand, I think, and Henry Cavill in his statements earlier kind of it, it speaks to the fact that when you're an actor who's played the character as big as Superman people tend to take you as a representation of Superman. So 
I, for him to one come out as as a, a Trump supporter in the middle of a very very tumultuous time in this country is just I I just don't think it was necessary. I don't think that it did anything positive really for um for the fan base. And on top of that, um, his comment that oh I don't think I would be allowed to say truth justice in the American way. Uh, that's I, there, this, one of the things that frustrates me the most, I think, about just the kind of current rhetoric uh, here in the U.S. is this idea that criticizing America or being someone who's not a fan of our president or not a fan of the way certain political and social aspects are structured here is being un-American, that you are officially stripped of being patriotic if you criticize your country. Um, and I, I think that criticizing, that willingness to change things and to rebel and try to do better is the American way. Um, so it's his, yeah. statement, <laughs> his, his statement just kind of takes that side of you need to be complacent and waving an American flag and shooting off fireworks every Thursday at 2.30 to be an American. And I just, I don't like that idea. And I, I think it's, these are comments he didn't have to make. It's, it ruins, you know, a show like Lewis and Lois and Clark, it ruins his image in the mind of fans and it ruins what he meant as Superman to fans. Um, and again, Tom King is, he's a much, much better authority on what would and wouldn't be appropriate for um, you know, for Superman to say politically, I I just this whole thing frustrates me. And yeah, Superman can still stand for the American way because we're either admitting then that the American way is, you know, old ideas and oppression and bullshit, or we're saying that the American way is the people who are willing to fight to make things better, which I think is what Superman is really saying. Um, Brad, what do you think? Well said. Well said. Um, yeah. And, and quite frankly, I think it's absolute, complete, 100 percent nonsense that he couldn't say American way. That is just he, he he's he's full of it. That's just not he could say it. And it is always such a bummer when when somebody comes out as a uh, as a Trump supporter for me. I it just it's like, oh, come on. Um <laughs> Because it, it kind of like it, it says, I'm sure there are decent Trump supporters out there, and I'm not, I don't want to lump them all into, you know, in, in, into one, one big thing, but it just says something about the character of somebody if they're willing to throw their support behind somebody like Trump, and that bums me out. And and the whole mask thing, ugh, wear the damn mask, people. Right. Come on. I mean, you're not, we're not asking you to do that much. Deal with it. There are surgeons that are sitting, like, 14 hours, 12 hours in surgery, and they wear the mask the entire time, and they don't complain. Deal with it. Wear the mask. <laughs> and for anybody to come back and throw shade, Tom King is the perfect person to do that because he because he's a vet and he has you know so he has that to stand on to come back and respond 
And it was so good of him to do that because he is that perfect person. And like he showed in his tweet, he used it not too long ago in, in the Superman comic. So like Dean Kang, you're just absolutely wrong. And it's just ugh, ugh, so disappointing. Uh, Steve, what do you think? You are both so right in everything you've said. If America stands for anything, and this is for someone who is an American, who doesn't live in America, but was raised with similar ideals because, honestly, I'll say it categorically, because I was raised reading comic books. I've learned all of my sense of morality, uh, of justice, uh, of social equality, of everything, mainly due to reading comic books. And for Dean Kane, someone who's played Superman, who should really know better, to come out with that load of old bull, because it, it's, it's nonsense. And oh, it just makes the mind boggle. And it's actually quite infuriating, because like Kelly, beautifully, I love the way you put it, America is built on freedom of speech and saying what you want to say, not bending over and worshipping the ginger great pumpkin toupee wearing nonsense that is your president um good lord if being american is blindly following a leader who is useless in my opinion again i don't want to uh, upset anybody who who does support him for whatever valid reasons they may believe they have but for anyone to blindly follow a leader whether they be right or wrong that's not what America's about. America is about standing up for the weak, the oppressed, yourself, and saying the truth, speaking the truth. And the whole thing, I mean, I just love the way that Tom King puts it and the way loads of other people in support of Tom King have put it. A, Superman isn't American. He was raised in America by an American couple, but he is the biggest illegal immigrant who came here and lied about it <laughs> of any character. Um, he's uh, the one person who will always stand up for what's right, whether it's to his benefit or not. And for Dean Kane to come out with that load of old crap has honestly changed totally the way I looked at him. I mean, I was upset a few weeks back during Supergirl when it was announced that his character had been killed off off screen. I thought, oh, what a waste. He was a great Clark Kent. He was a lovely Superman. Him being cast as Supergirl's dad was lovely. Now I read this, I think, good. I don't think I ever want to see him as Superman or as Clark Kent ever again in anything. So there you go. But never mind. Um, Tom King shut him up and he shut him up. Good. So that's the end of the news. Um, it's been slightly sparse this week, but of course, we've got two brilliant people here to talk to, as well as my mad self. So, guys, anything you want to add to any of the stories or anything you want to talk about in the world of DC that you've been reading or watching recently? Kelly? You know what? I just got the trade paperback version of Dark Knight's Metal, and I've been rereading that and my God, I I am just now I need to go back and dive back into the the all of the shoot off um, little side stories and and the the prequels and I am so excited. I forgot how much I love this story. So that's been my week. It's been very metal. I you know this is <laughs> would have been a uh, better question to ask me next week, I think, <laughs> um, because I just recently pulled out all of um, the Tom King run 
on Batman that I want to reread. Nice. So <laughs> I guess I have more to say about that in the weeks ahead, but I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, diving back into that. And I think a little later tonight I'm gonna sit down with the Joker 80th anniversary issue and um, uh, see what that's all about. Fantastic! I'm, you know, you two. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Our hive mind is a thing of supreme power. Because um, my son for Father's Day um, got me the four metal trade paperbacks because we were in the comic shop and I saw some of the original issues and I've got all the foil variants, all the actual metallic covers for that and all the spin-offs, all the variants, all the side stories. And looking at some of the prices for those books, I had to sit down and think, whoa, what the actual hell? So for Father's Day, he got me all four trades. Um, the essential ones, Kelly, if you've just gone straight into metal, is Road to Metal, Dark Days. Um, that's the first one that will make the whole metal saga make a lot more sense. So then the two offshoot ones, obviously the Origins one, the uh, Dark Knights book and the, um, the Resistance. That's the other two. So, yeah, brilliant. So I've got those now. I can file away, seal and uh, save my individual issues. But. Brad, again, the fact that you're reading the Tom King run, I've literally just gone through everything from um, 52 onwards. I've read all the weeklies, um, everything through uh, War Games, No Man's Land, all that kind of stuff too. And my next stuff would be, first of all, Scott Snyder, then the Tom King run. So it's like we're all singing from the same hymn sheet in every single way possible, <laughs> not just on this show and, and on everything else we do. So fantastic. And hey, both those sets of stories, metal is the best kind of bonkers, isn't it, Kelly? It's complete and utter oh, it's fun. Wonderful. It's crazy. Uh, yeah. This um, is a wild um, ride. Start to it's finish. crazy. <laughs> Have you read uh, Death Metal number one yet? Or are you wanting to read all the metal first before going into the new series? I'm going back to read all the metal first. Yeah. So I and I actually just ordered uh, Death Metal number one today. So hopefully by the time that comes, I'll have made my way through all of this. But yeah, I'm I'm doing a full Death Metal week to two weeks basically. Awesome. I love it. What made you dig up all the uh, Tom King issues then, Brad? Um, well, I I recently read the um, City of Bane Volume One hardcover, and uh, I really enjoyed it. And I wanted to kind of just go back and and refresh my memory and kind of re-experience everything leading up to that uh, as well. And, and I, there's so much interesting stuff going on with Batman in general with the Joker War coming up and I just kind of wanted to um, yeah just kind of just kind of go back and, and refresh my memory and kind of re-experience all of it so cool I mean because some of the uh, negative comments King gets is because he is a slow burn kind of writer and he does tie in stuff that he 
may have written in issues one to four of his arc right to something he wrote at the very end. But I personally love that. I think that rewards readers who invest in the series and collect every issue. Whereas other fans say, well, no, I'd rather just have something I can pick up, read, and then put away without having to reference and look back. But I love the whole research and referencing and looking back stuff. So that's why I do a lot of what I do and um, read all the old stories again, particularly where there were no new comics coming out. So, yeah, I can totally see that. Brilliant. You're, you're both making this old man very proud of you. <laughs> Thank you for that. <laughs> so brilliant. So that's another episode done. Kelly, Brad, oh, again, I could talk to you guys all day and all night. Thanks for another great show. Um, this has been episode 77 of the DC Comics News podcast. Um, guys, let the world know where we can read your work, where can, we can see more of you, where we can chat with you online. Kelly. Um, you can find me doing opinion and editorial pieces on DC Comics News and also on our other podcast, Mad Love the Harley Quinn Cast. And you can find me on Twitter at Kel Gaines Wright. Uh, Brad? You can find me uh, writing news and reviews at DC Comics News. I'm also on the Mad Love uh, Harley Quinn podcast. And... Uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at FlickyB1. Great stuff. The DC Comics News podcast is one of a great few shows on the network. You can also hear, of course, Mad Love, as my colleague said, the crazy show where we let all our guards down and go as nutty as Miss Quinn herself. Then there's also the Spinner Rack where our buddy Seth lets us know what he thinks the top five DC releases of the week are. So everyone out there is better informed as to what to buy and what to read if they're a little bit unsure. And of course, there's a little show I do usually with my son, but he's uh, with the lockdown restrictions being eased a little bit. He went to see his girlfriend who he hasn't seen since March. So there's a couple of episodes coming up with a uh, DK news writer and colleague who I managed to rope into appearing on a couple of episodes with me because I wanted to deal with the US guys but again with this time difference it's a pain but I do want everyone from the DC Comics News Network to appear on I Am The Night at some point. Yes the Batman animated series tribute show I Am The Night is on the network too. You can catch all those shows on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Apple, iTunes, wherever else you get your podcasts. As for DC Comics News and our sister site Dark Knight News all across the web and of course on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram and YouTube. This has been the DC Comics News Podcast episode 77. Brad, Kelly, what does everyone out there really need to do? Read. More. Comics. Thank you. Take care. <laughs>